Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. We're doing the treatise, the Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life by Shanti Deva. Ten chapters. We're on chapter three tonight. As I said, for those who are here for the first time, I uh, was recently in Madison, Wisconsin with, uh, with my wife Jane and other friends taking teachings from uh, the Dalai Lama on this treatise, which he said if he knows, if he's learned anything about compassion, it's from this uh, wisdom Peace. So far, we've done the uh, the first chapter, which is um, um, preparing the ground for bodhicitta, for the the seed of awakening, the spirit of awakening, and uh, that has to do with understanding the benefits of this bodhicitta, which means the um, the aspiration to awaken fully for the benefit of all beings, the bodhisattva's path. And then last week, we discussed the... What was it? The second uh, chapter is called... Well, in this one, it's confession. But it's really... um, it's developing, yeah, it's, the second one is preparing the ground. The first one is the benefits of bodhicitta. The second one is preparing the ground where we discuss the, the power of offerings, which including visualizations and prostrations, really to humble oneself and to confess one's transgressions, to open ourselves up for that sacred intention to plant the seed in the most fertile ground in our hearts of awakening for the benefit of all. This third chapter is the the culmination of this preparing the ground. Um, These first three chapters are about the perfection of generosity. And this one is known by various names and various translations, commitment, transcending hesitation, adopting the spirit of awakening. It's a very, for me, a very uh, profound chapter. And I want to share with you some of it and have us um, just reflect on what it means for us and want to have some time for uh, discussion as well. Last week there were, there's about 60 or so verses, 65 verses, and I went through uh, through most of them. This one, there's about half that, and I want to both go through the verses and have a chance for, for us to explore together. Mm. The preparing the ground, there are seven different practices of preparing the ground. Last chapter, there were three that were mentioned. The offerings, the... Um, prostrations, and the confessions, the confession piece. This one starts out with the four other um, 
practices that prepare the ground. Rejoicing, requesting teachers to present the Dharma, uh, asking teachers to remain with us, and the dedication of merit. That's the, the opening first 11 stanzas of the, the 34. And I'll, I'll read a little bit about This is Shanti Deva. With joy, I celebrate the virtue that relieves all beings from the sorrows of the states of loss and places those who languish in the realms of bliss. The virtue of taking this bodhisattva vow, this commitment to practice for the benefit of all, when you do it, you move from states of suffering into states of bliss. It's the virtue that relieves all beings. How opening, heart opening it is to say, I'm going to move from beyond my self-centeredness to do, have a life of contribution to all. And I rejoice in virtue that creates the cause of gaining the enlightened state and celebrate the freedom won by living beings from the round of pain. That means rejoicing in those who've attained full enlightenment in the Theravadan tradition, particularly the Arhats, the fully enlightened beings. And I rejoice in the Buddhahood of the protectors I delight and in the stages of the Buddha's offspring. That's I rejoice in the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas, those who keep on coming back for the benefit of all. I rejoice in the intention, ocean of great good, that seeks to place all beings in a state of bliss and every action for the benefit of all. Such is my delight and all my joy. So this rejoicing... Doesn't it feel good to rejoice? You know, it's such a beautiful word. Rejoice, you know. Rejoice, rejoice. It's one of the hymns that I, the carols that I like in, in over Christmas time. To rejoice, to feel the joy, but particularly to feel it at the the good fortune of others, the good fortune, the blessings that we've seen, the truth. Now, there's a few aspects of this rejoicing that I want to share. And I should say, I'm, I'm using, there's a few different translations that I started with, but uh, last week I got Pema Chodron's really wonderful book, No Time to Lose, uh, her teachings on this Bodhisattva Shantideva uh, treatise. And uh, she makes some really good points that I want to share and also riff off of. I rejoice in the good fortune of others. What a wonderful practice that is. Not so easy sometimes. If you've ever done loving kindness practice and you don't feel particularly loving or kind, you know, it's hard. May you be happy. Yeah, but what about me? Right? 
Or you do mudita practice, which is the joy in the joy of others. May your happiness continue and may your happiness grow. Where you tune into the happiness of others so that you can wish them even more happiness. And it, the idea is that it opens you up to that feeling of joy. Well, not always, as this quote I remember reading by uh, the French philosopher Montaigne who said, there's something not altogether to, all too displeasing in the misfortunes of our friends. Uh, hopefully we're kind of getting above that, but as, uh, as Pema Chodron mentioned, when she started getting into this rejoicing stuff, she could see the places where she wasn't quite rejoicing. And she makes the, she talks about the, the story where one of her colleagues wrote this book that became a bestseller. And she hadn't quite yet had it. This is before she had been a bestselling author herself. And she could see envy and jealousy. And it was really humbling. That's what starts to happen when you, when you take on a practice of rejoicing that you start seeing all the stuff that gets in the way. Now, part of the rejoicing practice is, this is a big one, to rejoice in seeing the places that you're stuck. Why? Why would you rejoice in seeing the places you're stuck? Anyone want to venture a guess? Yeah. You don't know about it, you can't do anything about it. Exactly. What an attitude if we can take that as our practice. Oh, got caught there, didn't I? Great. I'm in the game to wake up. How wonderful. When you ask people who who might know you, who know you well, to really help you see your blind spots. That brings a whole other dimension to the relationships. We all have our blind spots, don't we? So to rejoice in that uplevels our whole practice. To rejoice in the possibility of freedom it's really possible to wake up. When you are inspired by that vision, something shifts. It's like you have a direction and maybe you get in touch with the intention that says, I'm going for it. What a tremendous source of, of joy. To rejoice in the understanding of karma, which is both good news and sometimes not so good news. But to rejoice in seeing how it works. Because when you get the scoop, you can't pretend you don't know anymore. There's a price to pay for seeing things clearly. And that's you can't pretend you don't know any better. You might be blind for a while, but you see, oh, actions lead to consequences. 
so you the good news is seeing oh if i if i act skillfully if i act with kindness with generosity that leads to happiness if i act with greed hatred and delusion that leads to suffering but when you really see how it works it starts to clean up your act there's a, a story in Pema Chodron's book this guy an inmate in San Quentin that she that she knows who was harassed by a um uh, a guard and he is a buddhist practitioner and he kept his cool and the uh inmates his his, his colleagues uh his colleagues his cohorts <laughs> said um how do you keep your cool and he said um well i reflect that if i get that guard angrier so he gets violent or really lets lets it out on me um he'll he might go home and um uh, take out his further conditioning towards that anger on uh, his children he might beat his children and so i'm i'm doing it as a practice so that he won't continue to act in aggressive ways towards others that's really he's taken a bodhisattva vow that that inmate it just it gives a whole perspective and meaning to all your actions when you rejoice in understanding karma to include all beings the intention the ocean of great good that's bodhicitta that seeks to place all beings in a state of bliss and every action for the benefit of all such as my delight and all my joy may all beings be happy that's pretty big sometimes it's hard to include all beings in there well maybe a whole lot of people i don't know that's fine but some that i'm aware of it's a little bit hard to include them them too oh my goodness how is it possible to include all beings in your well wishing for the, the happiness of all beings is a uh a story somebody who was practicing um there was a series of articles that she wrote that she had taken on this practice to stop hating all political leaders right and she was run, she was writing this over a series of you know of of days and weeks and by the 35th day she said it's still really hard but i'm not caving in yet and that not caving in yet is part of the bodhisattva vow that you can't just magically snap your fingers and say okay i'll love everybody this is something that takes great patience but when i think of you know in the in the metta practice may all beings be happy and sometimes people say how can you wish for all even those guys 
I think of it, if, if everyone really understands where happiness lies, anyone who truly gets where happiness lies, which is not about greed, not about hatred and aggression, not about delusion, if they really see where it lies for themselves, they won't be causing any trouble. You know? Why would you cause trouble if you really get where happiness lies? To, so to wish for their well-being is, is a, 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 an act, if it would come to pass, that everyone benefits. They become pacified and they become agents of kindness and caring. Then there's the next, the fifth practice, requesting teachers. So I join my hands and pray the Buddhas who reside in every quarter kindle now the Dharma's light for those who grope bewildered in the dark of suffering and asking the teachers to stay. I join my hands, beseeching the enlightened ones who wish to pass beyond the bonds of sorrow. Do not leave us in our ignorance. Remain among us for unnumbered ages. That is, instead of becoming a fully enlightened being and, uh, and passing into parinibbana in the Theravadan tradition, once you go into parinibbana, you don't come back. This is the beseeching, please come back, we need you, please. And in the Mahayana tradition, they keep coming back so that they are um, inspirations for us and guides for us. And then starts the dedication of merit. And here's a, a few verses on dedicating merit. Through, through these actions now performed by all the virtue I have just amassed, just by that, commitment. May all the pain of every living being be wholly scattered and destroyed for all those ailing in the world until their every sickness has been healed. May I myself become for them the doctor, nurse, the medicine itself. Raining down a flood of food and drink, may I dispel the ills of thirst and famine it's going to be whatever anybody needs, he'll be there for them. And in the ages marked by scarcity and want, may I myself appear as drink and sustenance. For sentient beings poor and destitute, may I become a treasure ever plentiful and lie before them closely in their reach a varied source of all that they might need. May I give to the poor everything they need. Now, that's something to consider where you don't turn your back on anyone. There's a, a story, you know, we can be kind of turned off, like, ooh, might have pity, but that's not compassion where, ooh, I hope they get it together, but it's hard to look. You ever have that feeling where it's just hard to look at the, the, the pain that somebody is, is experiencing or their state? It's a story of the great Indian, Indian Buddhist master, Naropa. His teacher, Talopa, appeared to him in the form of a maggot-ridden dog. 
Feeling disgust, Naropa tried to jump over the poor creature and run away. Immediately, the dog changed into Talopa, who said, If you have aversion for sentient beings, how do you ever expect to awaken from samsaric mind? We have to let it all in. That too. Just breathe and see. This too, and this being too, deserves our caring, perhaps even more because not a whole love, a lot of love and compassion might come their way. And giving all the merit that you gain, giving it away. My body thus, and all my goods besides, and all my merits gained and to be gained, I give them all away, withholding nothing, to bring about the benefit of beings. It's one thing to give away your possessions or uh, your energy, but to give away your merit, which might not seem like a whole lot if you're not familiar with the concept of merit, but when you're giving away your merit, it's like you're giving away all the good fortune that might come your way from all your good deeds. But the paradox is, When you truly give it away, it's this total act of generosity that, guess what, increases your merit. So it's a pretty mind-turning understanding. I give it all away. I want you to to have benefit from it. Mm, that generous heart just increases. This is all about generosity. Mm. Nirvana is attained by giving all. Nirvana, the objective of my striving, Shantideva says, everything therefore must be abandoned and it is best to give it all to others. And this is where he gets into really giving it up. This body I have given up to serve the pleasure of all living beings. Let them kill and beat and slander it and do to it whatever they desire. And though they treat it like a toy or make of it the butt of every mockery, my body has been given up to them. There's no use now to make so much of it. Pema Chodron says when she first read this, she was appalled, like, oh my goodness, this is a little bit overboard, isn't it? But when you think about it, the people who are most inspiring, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, people who've been so committed to peace and service that they put their bodies on the line. That's a true bodhisattva act. Just something to aspire to or think of as a vision. And so let beings do to me whatever does not bring them injury. Whenever they catch sight of me, let this not fail to bring them benefit. And now, as I read this, just try, just imagine taking this on as part of mm, your practice, as part of a way that you can hold your relationship to the world. If those who see me entertain a thought of anger, 
or devotion, anger or devotion, may these states supply the cause whereby their good and wishes are fulfilled. Even negative energy coming towards you doesn't deter you from wishing others benefit and well-being. All those who slight me to my face, let's think of somebody who slighted you to your face or maybe behind your back recently. What's the typical response? All those who slight me to my face or do me any other evil, even if they blame or slander me, may they attain the fortune of enlightenment. What a, what a huge heart that must be. And by the way, I should mention a little bit about Shantideva as he, as he gave this um, teaching. He, w- he gave this, he was at Nalanda University. He was uh, born uh, 8th century and he was born into royalty, very similar to, um, to Gautama Buddha. He was born uh, a prince, as it said, and was um, uh, just before he was about to become king. There's two versions of the story. One was um, he uh, had a dream with Manjushri who was the bodhisattva of discriminating wisdom, who, who told him to get out of the, the royal palace and go for the real, the highest wisdom. Another version of the story is that the, the night before he was going to be um, coronated, he, uh, his, his mother gave him a, a, a bath in scalding water and he... It was, it was really painful. He said, what are you doing? Why are you hurting me like that? And she said, son, the pain you're feeling now is nothing compared to the pain you'll feel when you're king. Right. And with that, he, he fled right. and became a monk uh, and uh, ended up at Nalanda University where he, um, he wasn't very popular, actually. The story goes, he hardly ever came to the to the, uh, to the teachings. Nalanda was the big study center in, in India. And, uh, and the, the other students didn't like him very much. And so they gave, uh, they always tried to, they said he had three realizations, three things that he was good at. Um, eating, sleeping, and shitting. That was his reputation, Right. So they wanted to humiliate and embarrass him. And the way this, supposedly, this treatise came about was they said, you, why don't you give the talk? You know, why don't you give the talk on the high throne? And he said, okay. They didn't know what he was doing in his, in his own cell at night and going deeper and deeper into the practices. And he said, he got, they said, get on the high, high throne to, and give a talk to everyone. And he said, should I give you the classical teachings or something original? He said, something original. And with that, he gave this. And they were mesmerized. Supposedly, at the end of the discourse, where he starts talking about emptiness, he starts floating up and, and he disappears at the end. And they never saw him again. It was like, you know wow, who was that masked man? You know, kind of, whoa, what was that about? And, um, but he's saying, 
to them all those who slight me to my face. Imagine giving that discourse. All those who slight me to my face or do me any other evil, even if they blame me or slander me, may they attain the fortune of enlightenment. And that started to melt their hearts. Oh, this guy's for real. He really wants our benefit. Mm. And then now this, this beautiful passage, which... Mm, these next verses I have on my altar. This is a this is one something I really cherish that my good friends uh, Guy Armstrong and Sally Clough gave to me with the Dalai Lama in the center. So these are the next verses. <clears throat> May I be a guard for those who are protectorless, a guide for those who journey on the road. For those who wish to go across the water, may I be a boat, a raft, a bridge. May I be an isle for those who yearn for landfall. And a lamp for those who long for light. For those who need a resting place, a bed. For all who need a servant, may I be a slave. That's a very extreme line. And take that with a grain of salt. Just that, or with an understanding that you're not giving up your dignity. You are just so committed to serving. May I be the wishing jewel, the vase of plenty, a word of power, and the supreme remedy. May I be the tree of miracles, and for every being, the abundant cow. Like the great earth and the other elements, enduring as the sky itself endures, for the boundless multitudes of living beings, may I be the ground and vessel of their life. Thus, for every single thing that lives in number, like the boundless reaches of the sky, may I be their sustenance and nourishment until they pass beyond the bounds of suffering. And those within those lines are the the Bodhi one version of the Bodhisattva vow. Pema Chodron uh, says that she said every morning she wakes up she says particular lines um, three times before she gets out of bed. And the Dalai Lama makes a when he gives the Bodhisattva vows the same particular lines are the ones that are that are called. And these are the lines. Mm of the ones that I just read. Just as... Oh, no. Sorry, then it goes to the next lines. Just as all the Buddhas of the past, this is coming right up to the next lines, just as all the Buddhas of the past embraced the awakened attitude of mind and the precepts of the Bodhisattvas, step by step abode and trained, 
Just so, and for the benefit of all of beings, I will also have this attitude of mind. And in those precepts, step by step, I will abide and train myself. So after declaring, may I do this, may I do that, I will embrace these teachings and uh, em- embrace this aspiration. Step by step. And step by step means that you've got to be really patient. This doesn't happen overnight, and you're going to blow it over and over. And so not to have such unrealistic ideals, then, then it's scary to take a bodhisattva vow. But if it points you in the right direction... It's inspiring. And Pema makes the, uh, she says, one can do this three different approaches. The king or the queen approach, the ferryman approach, or the shepherd approach. The king or queen approach says, I will become awakened first, and then I can help others. The ferryman approach says, We're all in the same boat, and I'm doing this along with you. And then the shepherd approach really is the highest ideal where you're taking care of the sheep and you are the last, you are the one, you're the protector of uh, the sheep, the humble protector of the sheep. And wherever you are, whether it's I'm going to get enlightened for the sake of all, or we're all in this together, or I'll go last. You just start right where you are. Because if you do have the highest vision, what you're doing is for the benefit of others. Um, it keeps on percolating and developing and um, manifesting. Mm. If you have the, I like the Fairman approach particularly, because when you do that, when you have that approach, step by step, then every time you mess up, all the negativity that you see in yourself, all the the dukkha, the suffering that you encounter, is all part of deepening your understanding of the human experience. You know, you're going through a really hard time. Anybody going through a really hard time lately? You go through a really hard time. It's so easy to get into, why is this happening to me? But if you really see you are a bodhisattva in training, Anytime you're going through a really hard time, oh, this is helping me deepen my compassion. Other people go through hard times like this. If I can really learn to do it, I can really be of benefit to them. If you're going through a really great time, oh, how wonderful that I can tune into the blessings of life and really see them clearly and and help others see how fantastic life is sometimes. So there's nothing wasted in that in that approach. Everything that's coming down the pike 
is part of your awakening, not only for yourself, but your understanding of the human condition. That this most pure and spotless state of mind might be embraced and constantly increase, the prudent who have cultivated it should praise it highly in such words as these. Today, my life has given fruit. This human state has now been well assumed. Today, I take my birth in Buddha's line and have become the Buddha's child and heir. Even just taking the vow... He says, you become a bodhisattva. Not that you've finished your work, but having that aspiration, you, um, it, 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 it brings you into the noble, burn, noble birth. You are born again, so to speak. In every way, then, I will undertake activities befitting such a rank, and I will do no act to mar or compromise this high and faultless lineage. And now comes the, the last part of the chapter, which is one of my favorites. I end a lot of talks with this passage. And I, I particularly, I like the passage that, um, a different translation, which is found in mm, Jack and Gill's book, uh, Teachings of the Buddha. And it's under there called The Miracle of Awakening. This is the amazing thing that happens as you take the bodhisattva vow and get in touch with bodhicitta, the miracle of awakening. Just listen to this. As a blind person feels upon finding a pearl in a dustbin, so am I amazed by the miracle of awakening rising in my consciousness. It is the nectar of immortality that delivers us from death. The treasure that lifts us above poverty into the wealth of giving to life. The tree that gives shade to us when we roam about scorched by life. The bridge that takes us across the stormy river of life. The cool moon of compassion that calms our mind when it is at by churning it with the Dharma. It is a feast of joy to which all are invited. As a blind person feels upon finding a pearl in a dustbin, so am I amazed by the miracle of a... Is the secret that if we simply hear and listen and can't ignore, turns us in the right direction. Decide to become a better person. That's good enough. That's a start. If you can't do all the precepts, we were just in Madison, and he said, you know, he goes over the precepts, and part, he is very lenient, right? And what he's saying, and what he's saying is just so, um, 
important. It's like, you, as Pema Chodron has this book, Start Where You Are. You just come up from anyone's mind on that. And this works. Um, see what it's like to make that commitment to yourself to face in the right direction. I'll do it this way. So I'll, I'll say it in whatever way. Let yourself get in touch with your own sincerity to become the best human being you possibly can. Regular Buddhist words get in the way. Just as all the Buddhas of the past, I'll say it and just give you a chance to say it to, silently to yourself. Just as all the Buddhas of the past embraced the awakened attitude of mind And in the precepts of the bodhisattvas, step by step, abode and trained. Just so, and for the benefit of beings, I will also have this attitude of mind. And in those precepts, step by step, I will abide and train myself. I think I will read it again. This time we'll put the two lines, each two lines together. So... Just as all the Buddhas of the past embraced the awakened attitude of mind, and in the precepts of the Bodhisattvas, step by step abode and trained, just so and for the benefit of beings, I will also have this attitude of mind. And in those precepts, step by step, I will abide and train myself. One last time. Just as all the Buddhas of the past embraced the awakened attitude of mind, and in the precepts of the Bodhisattvas, step by step abode and trained, just so, and for the benefit of beings, 
I will also have this attitude of mind. And in those precepts, step by step, I will abide and train myself. Feel what it's like to declare that intention to yourself. Let yourself rejoice in it. And to close, since it's just about time to close, wish yourself well. May I truly see my goodness. the love that I am. May I see my true nature. For myself and for the benefit of all beings, may I share my love well. And then to extend that to everyone near and far as I want to be happy, may all be happy. All. As I want peace, may all find peace in their lives. May all beings share their love well. May all see clearly, wake up to their true nature. And may our coming here together tonight be of benefit to us, to everyone we know, and to all beings everywhere. May all beings find happiness and peace. Thank you very much. Rejoice. Have a great week. Uh, Have a great two weeks. I'll see you in two weeks and enjoy Wes next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.